Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Word Community Church. How are you today? It's great to have you here. I haven't seen you in a bit. Let's stand together. Yes. It's a beautiful day in the Lord. It's always a beautiful day in the Lord, isn't it? It's so great how having God dwell within us and the Holy Spirit, that promise is uh, beyond the weather, right? We don't, uh, we don't let our lives be dictated by what's happening around us. Because he that is within us is greater than he that is in the world. Amen? Let's bow our heads and our hearts and just thank you for this time and honor him. Lord God, we, we thank you, Lord, that you've given us more time to be together here as a body, Lord, until you come again, Lord. Although we really long to see you, Father God, we know there's much to do here, Father, in sharing the gospel of Jesus. And your love, Lord God. And Father, we just ask that you would inhabit our praises, Lord, as we sing these praises from your holy word to you, to honor you, Lord God. And Father, we just ask that you would soften our hearts as we sing them, Lord God, that we may be receptive to your word, that there's a stirring of our hearts by your spirit, Lord. And Father, we ask that you would just lead this time. It is yours. And we just pray that you would open our hearts, that we would hear the truth of your word. It is proclaimed today, Lord God. And we just ask for an anointing upon Pastor Frank as he does so. Lord God, we just pray, Father, that you would allow for us to continue to be disciples of Jesus and growing in him. We do honor you, Lord, and we want to honor you in song and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I think the last five psalms, when you read them, it's like 145 to 150, is just, praise the Lord, 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 praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> We're going to praise him forever. Oh, sing praise, 
Let everything that breathes Let all the earth proclaim Great is the Lord our God Praise Him forever Let all that is within me Magnify His name Great is the Lord our God Praise Him forever Oh, 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 oh Praise Him forever Oh, 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 oh Sing it again Praise Him forever Oh, 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 oh. Praise Him forever Oh, 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 oh. oh Hear the holy roar Hear the holy roar, hear this anthem rise in the house of God, all creation cries. Hear the holy roar, hear this anthem rise in the house of God, all creation cries. Hear the holy roar. Praise Him forever, oh, 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 
praise Him forever. Oh, 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 oh. Praise Your name, Lord. Hallelujah to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Praise Your name, Lord. Isn't He amazing? Lord, that word is yours. You are truly amazing. You amaze us and overwhelm us, Lord God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Even if I ran away, your love never fails. I knew I'd still make mistakes. You have new mercies for me every day. Your love never fails. Oh, yes, Lord. Let's stand upon the rock this morning. You stayed the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid. Because I know that you love me. Your love never fails. The wind is strong. Strong as the water sea. I'm not alone here in these open seas. Your love never fails. The chasm is far too wide. I never thought I'd reach the other side. Your love never fails. You said the same through the ages Your love never changes There may be pain in the night But joy comes in the morning And when the oceans rage I don't have to be afraid Because I know that you love me Your love never fails you make, cause you make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. Cause we love you, Lord. you make all things work together for my good. We are the called according to his purpose. You make all things work together for my good. Your love never changes There may be pain in the night But joy comes in the morning And when the oceans rage 
church today. Good morning. How are we doing today? It's really nice to see you. I see some happy faces, new faces uh, here. So let's start off with that. Okay, we would like to welcome our guests today. If you are here for the first time, please raise your hand. We would like to welcome you. If you're here for the first time, raise your hand. Welcome. Welcome over there. Yes. Keep your hand raised. We're going to give you some yeah, information. Our usher is going to come to you, give you some information about our church. Uh, when service is done, you can fill that out. Give that to the sound room there in the back, and we'll give you a free Jesus DVD. So she's right there. Okay. Anybody else that I missed? All right. All right. So let's continue with the announcements. Uh, we have quite a few announcements. Um, so just make note of the Bible studies and the prayer meetings that we have going on, okay, because we're going to be announcing them only once a month. Um, when you come in, you can pick up the calendars that um, the people that are welcoming all of us uh, to come, right? Um, you can pick up the calendar there or see see it on the website, okay? So we have a lot of Bible studies going on every month at church. 
Every second and fourth Monday of the month, we have women's and the men's Bible study at 7 p.m., so make note of that. On Tuesday, the women's Bible study is at 9.45 a.m. On Wednesday, midweek, we have the midweek service at 7 p.m., Every first and third Friday of the month, we have the Spanish Bible study at 7 p.m. So, again, please make sure you check the website. Yes, Faith? Yes. Yeah. And the second Friday of the month is the women's gathering. So make note of that as well, ladies, okay? So there's a lot there. So look at the calendar on the website, right? Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, we're going to start thinning this out so you don't need to see this every week, okay? Yeah. Just go to the website. Mm-hmm. Or, or if you're a paper person, then just pick up the calendar out there in the front. And okay. I'll tell you what's easy to do is just put in a recurring event on your calendar. <laughs> yeah. What a novel idea, right? <laughs> like we do that for other things. Like yeah. We, oh. That's great. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So don't forget to pick up your baby bottle to support Lighthouse Pregnancy Center. We've been supporting this um, ministry for a very long time now, okay? Ever since we started coming to this church, I remember that we've been supporting this ministry. It's a wonderful ministry. Look them up on uh, their website, social media. They're doing a lot of great things. Um, We support people that uh, we're thinking of getting an abortion, right? Um, we are pro-life uh, because um, that that's what the word teaches, right? All lives are valuable in God's eyes. So uh, this is just a way for you to support this, um, support the people, right? Because that, that's what it's all about. This ministry is helping the people that need the help um, through counseling and, and sonograms, uh, ultrasounds. I mean, so a lot of different things go into this ministry. So make sure that you pick up uh, the baby bottle and um, you bring it in on Father's Day, okay? There's a blue wrap box in the Welcome Center to drop off your bottle. And today is the last day to sign up for the Women's Ministry Paint and Praise Night this Friday at 6 p.m. I was told by Jessica that it's completely booked, but we're going to extend it just for today because it's on Friday. Mike? All right, so make sure that you do that. You sign up. And then also, today is the last day to sign up for the Daddy-Daughter Lunch this Saturday at 11 a.m. I also thought that was super cute, right? Um, (laughs) Super cute. Semi-formal dress includes lunch, games, and fun ages 6 through 14. Okay, if you signed up to become a member of Living Word Community Church, this membership class will be next Sunday, June 11th at 9.15 upstairs in Pastor Frank's office. If you haven't signed up, but you are interested in attending the class, please see Diane or Rachel. And Extraordinary Moms will be meeting next Sunday at 12.15 p.m. in the parent-child room. Uh, It's a ministry for single moms abiding in Jesus. We pray, encourage, and help each other. Okay, and this is something new. Uh, The Youth Progressive Dinner is next Sunday, July 11th. The Youth Progressive Dinner is not political, okay, but it is social and super fun. (laughs) Okay? Yep. um. Does everybody know what Progressive Dinner is? You go to one house and have 
an appetizer, next house you have a meal, next house you have a dessert. That's how you progress, get it? Progress. Yeah. <laughs> just to be clear, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of fun for kids. Exactly. So just and like for the adults Lenny, to participate. Yep. Just like Lenny said, students progressively travel from one house to the next, eating appetizers at one, the main meal at the next, and followed by dessert at the third. What? <laughs> Sounds like what? Barranda? <laughs> okay, a party. Okay, permission slips are due tonight. See Pastor Lou for more details. And then sign up today in the Welcome Center for the Father's Day softball game and barbecue. It's going to be Saturday, June 17th. So I'm sure Pastor Sam is going to speak to you about that once we're done with service, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Outside, right? You're going to be telling people to sign up? Yeah. There you go. Awesome. And then last but not least, register your children and register to volunteer online today for Vacation Bible School. The link is on the bottom of the screen. An email also went out on Thursday. If you did not receive the email, please see Diana Rachel, and we will send it to you. Okay? God bless you guys. Thank you, Brianna. Can we have our ushers come forward? As you see, there's a whole lot going on here at Living Words, so please take advantage of it. Maybe we'll have an adult progressive dinner. I don't know. We'll think about that. But it's, you should be fellowshipping when you can amongst yourselves, right? And gathering together and just enjoying the koinonia, that fellowship. Koinonia. Father, we are grateful, Lord, that you've given us the opportunity to serve you, to be stewards of whatever you've given us, Lord, the very breath in our lungs, the lives that we have, Lord God, the jobs that we have, Lord, your provision all about us, Lord, in so many ways, right in front of us, Lord, and things we cannot see. We just trust you, we love you, and we thank you that you've given us the privilege of stewarding, Lord, your gospel. We just pray that you would advance it by what we give here today, Lord, and how we live our lives and speak your truth and share your love with others, Lord. May you be honored always. In Jesus' name we pray. You can stand whenever you like as we continue worshiping our Lord. Sacrifice Jesus Son of 
Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You are more than conquerors in Christ.
no dominion is beyond her before. From the sky to the deep, one single thing in all God's creation to separate us from His love. Neither death No life, angels nor dominions, it's beyond the before, from the sky to the deep, a single thing, all God's creation separate us from His love. We are more, we are more than conquerors in the Death nor life, neither death nor life, angels nor dominions, beyond the before, from the sky to the deep, not a single thing in all God's creation separate us from His love. We are more than. the deepest sea, set our feet upon the rock of your salvation, delight to do your will. Yes, we do. Oh, yes, my God, we are yours. We are yours. Glorious in your presence.
that's the desire of your heart. You may be seated. Grab your Bible and your notebook. Today there'll be no preacher. You've learned enough. Now go out and obey God. <laughs> I just have a little sermonette for you this morning. Okay, if you stand with me, we're going to go to Mark chapter 16, verse 9 through 13. The title of the message is Turning Doubt into Faith. If you're visiting us today, I teach through the Word of God on Wednesday nights. We're going through the book of Numbers right now. And on Sunday mornings, we're just wrapping up the Gospel of Mark. So Mark chapter 16, verse 9 through 13, turning doubt into faith. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. And she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. And after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, on this morning that, Lord, you would wipe away the doubts from our hearts and our minds and you would fill us, Lord God, with belief. With a belief, Lord God, that, Lord God, can stand, resist, Lord, all of the skepticism, Lord, the doubts that enemy throws at us, the troubles of life, the persecutions of life, Lord God, that we would be rooted, Lord, and grounded and unmovable in our faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you'd move amongst us and speak to each and every heart here. I pray that they would have ears to hear, Lord God, today, and that you'd be glorified amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So they didn't believe. They didn't believe. Now, Matthew 28, 17. When they saw him, they saw him. This is after the resurrection. <laughs> And they worshipped him, but some still doubted. So it's really amazing. 
So what I want to talk to you about, turning doubt into faith, unbelief into belief, skepticism into certainty. I'm going to share with you a couple of different key points on that. The first is, faith comes from the Word. The, the Bible is essentially the seed of faith. It's the source of faith. It is the very thing that, that generates faith. So I'm going to take you to Luke chapter 16. I'm going to talk to you about the story Jesus told about Lazarus and the rich man. Okay, Luke 16. What is the purpose of the story of Lazarus and the rich man? What's the purpose of? I don't know if you, when, you, when you read the word, you've got to ask yourself, what is the purpose of what God is teaching me here? What is the purpose of me standing before you today and, you know, teaching you, okay, the word from Mark chapter 16? I'll give you a little secret about the purpose. My purpose is, is that you would get more into the word of God and that your faith would grow stronger and stronger. That's my purpose today. By the way, it's, it's, it's good to live a purpose-filled life. You know, people come to me and say, I want to talk to you. Well, what is the purpose of you wanting to talk to me? You know, just, you know, time as we get older, I think the older folks in this room are realizing this, right? You only have a few more years, maybe, you know, a few more months, a few more days on this earth, and you want to maximize every, you know, hour, every minute that you have because you ain't going to be here, right? So, what is the purpose? What is the purpose of what I'm doing today? What is the purpose of, of what is in the Word of God that I'm studying on this given day? So, here you have this story of a rich man and Lazarus, okay? Lazarus um, is a, a poor man. And the rich man enjoys life, and Lazarus is begging, right? He's living at, you know, the foot of his table, eating the crumbs that come off of his table. Now, they both die. The rich man goes to hell. Lazarus goes to heaven. Okay, Lazarus goes to paradise. Uh, What's called in the scriptures, Abraham's bosom. It's not that rich people go to hell. Okay, it's not about about rich and and the poor. Uh, Lazarus was a believer. And the rich man was not. So they go to heaven. Uh, Lazarus, again, is in Abraham's bosom in, in paradise. And the rich man is in hell. Now, I'm going to pick up here Luke chapter 16, verse 27 through 31. Then he said, okay, this is the rich man who is in hell. I beg you therefore, Father, and he's talking to Abraham, Father Abraham, that you would send him, Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Raise Lazarus from the dead, send him back to my brothers, right? And then they will believe and they will be saved from hell. So in verse 29, Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Moses and the prophets, that is the Old Testament. That is what we call Tanakh. From the book of Genesis to the book of Malachi. That's what they have, right? The New Testament wasn't written yet. So he says to them, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But notice what he said to them. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. If they do not believe the word of God, 
I'm telling you, if you do not believe the word of God, you can see somebody raised from the dead, you can see miracle upon miracle, sign upon sign, wonder upon wonder, and you will not believe. That is essentially what the Lord is teaching there. So the purpose of the story is that you need to hear the word. You need to hear the word to actually come to faith. And that all the miracles will never convince someone of the truth. So it's essentially, again, the, the word of God. Now, again, he, he says here, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Hearing the word, receiving the word. It's like the word hearing, aku, and I'm going to get into it. I'll get into it more with you in the second point. The word means to receive, to wrap your mind around it, to wrap your heart around it. It, it means to accept it into your life. You know, imagine like, it's, it's, it's like food. Right? If I gave you an apple, okay, you can be looking at the apple and say, well, you know what, I, I, I believe that it's an apple. But to really take the apple into your life, you have to bite into it, you have to chew it, you have to swallow it, you have to digest it, you have to assimilate it for that apple to actually become a part of every cell in your body. Give you a little biology lesson. That's the idea of what it is to really hear the word of God. So look at John 20, verse 9. It says... For as yet, they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. And then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Again, this passage, this is Mary coming to the apostles the morning of the resurrection and saying he's risen. He's not, he's not in the tomb. And the two on the road of Emmaus, who went, you know, appeared, Jesus appeared to them, they go back. And again, they don't believe because they do not know the scriptures. They don't believe because they do not know the scriptures. So here is again, the empty tomb. It's empty. They see the grave clothes, Peter and John. Everything is laid out as though Jesus, as I said last week, he evaporated from, from within. But if you're going to steal a body, does it make sense that you would put all the grave clothes right after you unravel the body with the soldiers outside and then put them back in place? Of course not. It's not, not logical. It's not reasonable. So here, again, they have seen the empty tomb, but they still don't believe. Why? Because they did not know the scriptures. Jesus appears to them. <laughs> Even when he appeared to them that night, some of them, it says, still doubted. Why? Because they did not know the scripture. That he must rise on the third day. They did not know those passages in the Old Testament. Isaiah 53, Psalm chapter 16. Pentecost, 50 days later. Okay? The Holy Spirit comes upon the 120. Peter stands up and he preaches a message. I want you to notice here, and pay attention. Those of you who are in class with me who teach the word here, uh, you know, we teach the word from the word. That's what we do here at Living Word. I'm not, I'm not here to give you my opinions. I'm not, I'm not here to give you my, my, my ideas. I'm here to teach the Word. That's why I use the Word. That's why we're in one chapter of Mark chapter 16, but I'll use 30 different passages as I take you through this lesson today. So, the Spirit comes. There's a huge, massive crowd of people from all sorts of nations. And in Acts chapter 2, 22 through 24, Peter says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, 
a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Jesus, Peter says, was raised from the dead. Where does he go to next? He goes right to the Old Testament passages that were predictions. This one, over a thousand years before Jesus was born and died, about the resurrection. So he goes to Psalm 16, verse 8 and 11. And this is again, Peter speaking in Acts chapter 2, 25 through 28. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades. Hades is essentially shield the grave. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. In other words, decay in the grave. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. He uses scripture to prove his point. As Peter did, as Paul did, and as Stephen did. Even Philip, talking to the Ethiopian. Now watch, now watch how he comes in and he concludes here. Acts chapter 2, 29-33. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David. That he is both dead and buried, right? David, he's still dead and buried. We can go to Israel and we can see David's tomb. He's still in the grave. And his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. In other words, what Peter's saying, he wasn't talking about, right, David wasn't talking about himself, he's talking about the Messiah, he's talking about the Christ. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ, of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out, this which you now see and hear. He preached the message. What happened next? How many people came to saving faith in Jesus Christ? 3,000. 3,000 men, women, women, children came and accepted Jesus and were baptized. Because he used the word. <laughs> because they believed and Lord, many of these people hadn't seen the risen Christ. But the word of God cut to their hearts. The word of God is, is living. It's living word. And it cut to their hearts. So faith, faith comes, right? It comes from the scriptures. The more you get into the scripture, the more faith is going to get into you. Second, faith comes by hearing the word. So in Romans 10, 17, it tells us, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word for hearing is the word aku. And again, it's not just merely, you know, today, right, not to, not to beat you up, but there are people sitting here today who are going to hear the word and they're going to walk out 
and they're not going to remember it. It's going to make no difference in their life. People are going to watch it on television. There are people watching it all over the world. And there are people who are watching this who will hear the word, and it will not make any difference in their life. It's, it's not merely just, again, the concept of hearing. Aku means to pay attention, to receive, to understand, to grasp, to get it, to wrap your mind around it, to wrap your heart around it. It means to know. To really hear means to know. And to know, essentially, according to Jesus, means to do. Right? It was Plato who said to, to know is to be, and Aristotle said to be is to know. And Jesus said, he said, to know is to do. And you know what Frank, what Frank Sinatra said? He said, dooby dooby doo. But to know, but to know is to, is to, again, to assimilate it and to become something practical in your life. Mark chapter 4, 12, faith, you knew where I was going with that. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand. Let they should turn and their sin be forgiven from them. And again, people can be hearing something and not understand it. They don't get it. They don't believe it. They don't really come to know it. Faith comes by hearing, truly listening carefully, attentively, eagerly, diligently, and receiving the word. And as you receive it, the word again is seed. It germinates in your life. You know the parable of the sower? Great demonstration, okay, of how the word works in a person's life. So it, it describes the, the sower is God who's sowing seed. He's sowing seed today. He's, he's, God is sowing seed, and the seed is the word of God, and there are four soils, right? Four types of ground. Three of them are bad. One of them is good. Uh, there is one that is hard, right? It's the hard heart. The word can't penetrate into it. There's the shallow heart. Right? It's, it's just shallow. It can't go deeply into it. And then there's a thorny heart. It's got a, it's got a lot of stuff in its life and it just chokes out the word of God. But there, there is a good ground. The good ground that, that it's like 25%, right? One out of four. So, so look at the good ground here in Luke chapter 8 and then Matthew, Matthew 13, verse 23. It says, but he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears. They hear the word. Aku, right? They hear it. And then it says, and understand it. Who indeed bears fruit and produces some 100, some 60, some 30. And then in Luke 8, 15, again, on the parable of the sower, one that fell on the ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, they keep it. They hear it, they understand it, and they keep it. And look at what it does. It produces... 30, 60, 100 times what, what is sown. I don't know if you have found that true of your life. I have found it true of my life. When I took that seed into my heart back in January, right, 40 years ago, went from being an atheist, then I became a believer a few days later. And I took that seed into my heart. And that was one seed and that seed has produced, has produced not, not 30, 60, 100, it has produced a thousands fold in production. So I do, I do, I do believe in that passage. But again, faith comes by hearing 
and hearing comes by the word of God. Number three, faith comes by understanding what the Bible says about Jesus. So there are two disciples. They are on the road to Emmaus. They're walking along and Jesus suddenly appears to them, right? The risen Savior. It says he appeared in another form, glorified. So although they still recognized him, the others recognized him, but these two had a hard time recognizing him. I believe they didn't recognize him. There's two possible reasons. One, Emmaus was essentially west of Jerusalem, so they were walking into a sunset. Walking into a bright sunset, you got that, that sun in your eyes. I think there's another reason that they didn't, because they thought he was dead. <laughs> they believed he was dead. They believed he was in the grave. So here's Jesus walking with them, and again, they don't recognize that it's Jesus, because the Jesus that they knew, they believed he was dead. So in verse 25 and 27 of Luke 24, then he said to them, O foolish ones, he calls them fools. Harsh words from the Savior. And slow of heart to believe. Slow of heart to believe. And he says, and all the prophets have spoken. What not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And then notice what he does. And beginning with Moses and the prophets. Moses and the prophets, that's a terminology used, okay? Talk to an Orthodox Jew. Moses and the prophets is their Bible. That's, again, their Tanakh. Everything from Genesis to Malachi. He says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he, he went to Isaiah 52, 53. He went to Psalm 16. He went to Psalm 22. Went to probably many other passages. And he explained to them that he had to die and then be raised from the dead. They came to believe. Jesus, in John chapter 5, 37 through 39 he says this to the Pharisees. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you. Right? The Pharisees were all about traditions, religion, rituals, church tradition, religious traditions. He says, you know, you don't have the word in you. They had, they had the oral tradition in them, all their rules and regulations, but didn't have the true word of God in them. But you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, him you do not believe. If you did believe in the word, you would have believed in Yeshua being the Messiah. You search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Tanakh, Old Testament, continuously testifies of Jesus Christ. Some of you, I, you may have seen me do this before. You see other teachers do this before. They go through and they, they go through the entire Bible and they show, right, book after book. They talk about, right, that Jesus was this in this book and Jesus was that in that book. So Genesis, he's the seed of woman. Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. Leviticus, he's the atoning sacrifice. Numbers, he's the smitten rock. I don't even know if you can see that. I, I, and I intentionally put it up there small because I'm not going to do it today. Because when I do it, everybody gets excited and people stand up and they start raising their hands and clapping their hands and going, amen, amen, amen. But I think it's limited. In fact, I think it, it is very limited because 
I believe Jesus will not be found only in every book. I believe he will be found in every chapter. I believe he will be found in every verse. I believe he will be found in every word. And I believe he will even be found in the spaces between the words and the letters. Now you may be sitting there and what is this man talking about? Start digging into it and you'll see. For instance, for instance, I have a, a program that I've done, which I will produce, and we will get it out on YouTube. Jesus in Tanakh. Okay? Jesus in Tanakh. Jesus in, essentially, the Talmud, the first five books. And I literally go from chapter to chapter, verse by verse, and I show Jesus in, again, Matthew, I'm sorry, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We will do that. We will get that you know, done and presented. But here, just, just an example, and I'm going to be brief with this. In the book of Genesis only, in the first verse, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, there is this, this strange two letters, right? These, these, these two letters the, that appear. And... Um, the Tav and the Aleph. They're the first and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. R-A and R-Z. Or the Greek alphabet, the Alpha and the Omega. You know, in the New Testament, where Jesus said, I am the Alpha and Omega, in Revelation chapter 1 and Revelation 22, well, all of a sudden, again, this, this uninterpretable word suddenly appears. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There is Jesus right there in Genesis 1.1, the Aleph and the Tav, the Alpha and the Omega. You come to Genesis chapter 3. <coughs> he is the seed of, women, of woman that crushed the serpent's head. The seed of the woman. What's interesting about that? Do women have seeds? It's talking about the virgin birth. In chapter 4, he is Abel's offering. Remember Cain's offering? He, end, he offered fruits and vegetables. But Abel offered the blood of the lamb, a foreshadow of Jesus. In Exodus chapter 5, you have the hidden Hebrew names, the ten names of the ten generations from Adam to Noah. And you have, again, Yeshua revealed in Genesis chapter 5, he is the blessed God who shall come down and suffer death to bring rest to mankind. Now, they know a little bit Hebrew to be able to find that. In Genesis, he's Noah's Ark. In Genesis, he's Melchizedek. In Genesis 18, he's the man in the middle who appeared to Abraham with the two angels, one on his left and one on his right. In Genesis 22, he's the Lamb of God. God will provide himself, himself a lamb. In Genesis 28, he's Jacob's ladder. In Genesis 32, he's the man who wrestled with Jacob. In Genesis 37 through 50, there is this beautiful typology, Joseph being a typology and a foreshadow of Jesus. Let me just read this to you. Just a combination, right, and a comparison between Joseph and Jesus. Both were despised. Both went into Egypt. Both returned from Egypt. Both were arrested. 
Both were falsely accused. Both resisted temptation and sin. Both were separated from their fathers. Both had great power and authority. Both were sold. Both showed great love. Both helped preserve life. Both were found alive. Both were reunited with brethren. Both showed compassion. Both showed pardon. God was with both of them. Joseph, a typology of Jesus. In Genesis 49, he's the Lion of Judah. In Genesis 49, he is Shiloh who will come. And again, as you go through, as you go through every book of the Bible, you will find Jesus from chapter to chapter, verse by verse. Just as he said, it all talks about me. Great little lesson. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is concealed in the Old. The Old Testament is revealed in the New. What do you think you should study first? You should study the New. Because if you come to know the New, you will see Jesus throughout the Old. <laughs> you see people, when they come to the Bible, I'm going to start reading the Bible. I'm going to start, I'm going to start reading the Bible. They go through Genesis. And it's kind of, you know, it's exciting. So you have creation, and then, you know, you get into Noah, and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and then they come to the book of Exodus, and you have the ten plagues, and then you have God, you know, turning the bitter waters of Marah into sweetness. You have the miracles, water from the rock, quail coming in from the sea, manna from heaven, the Ten Commandments. And then you have the guidance of God to building the tabernacle. Most people die right there. <laughs> That's where their death of scripture ends. And if they are really tough and persevering, they go to Leviticus. And then you have the five offerings of Leviticus. And you have the burnt offering and the sin offering and the guilt offering and the fellowship offering, the wave offering. That's, that's, that's where you just put up a tombstone. And that's usually the end. If you know the New Testament, and you go through, and all of a sudden you come to the study of the tabernacle. You see Jesus in everything. You know, I've taught that here with you on Wednesday nights. Go to the book of Leviticus. All the sacrifice. He fulfilled all the sacrifices, and the Bible is just coming alive. I love, I read the, I read the Old Testament every day, and I get thrilled by it. I get excited by it. Why? Because I've come to know Yeshua in the New Testament. That's a secret. Get to know him in the New Testament, then all of a sudden the Old Testament will become something that is alive to you. So faith comes by understanding what the Bible says about Jesus. Number four, seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing. Jesus said in John 11.40, Did I not tell you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Let me explain this to you. There, there are two types of faith. There is natural faith and there is spiritual faith. And this is true in both categories, so whether it is the natural or it is the spiritual. Natural faith, simple truth. You need to believe that you can do something to do it. Whether it's something in athletics, whether it's something in education, whether it's something in business, you need to believe that you can do something if you're going to be able to do it. I always tell people whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. You're right. If you believe you can't do something, you're right. You're not going to do it. And if you believe you can do something, you're right. You will do it. That's what we call natural faith. 
That's what motivational books are written by. That's what, how, you know, football coaches, basketball, that's how they coach their players. Spiritual faith operates the same way. You need to believe it to see it. You need to believe to be able to experience it. So, again, the night of the resurrection, Luke chapter 24, 36 through 46, Jesus again appears. It says, now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? He's right in front of them and they're still doubting. Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, but while they still did not believe, (laughs) in Italian we call that stunad. Do they have a name in Spanish at Pinelli for that? It's almost not a curse word. They still did not believe for joy. I mean, there's kind of, there's, there's this confusion going on of doubt, joy, and they marveled. And he said to them, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. And you know what? When he ate it right, it didn't fall through. (laughs) That glorified body is something really magnificent. We're getting one. Then he said to them, these are the words. Now watch. See what he says now? He's, they're not getting right the risen Savior right in front of them. And they're not getting it. They're not getting it. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Now, He's, again, this is another Hebrew category of all the scriptures. Moses, right? The first five books, the prophets, and the Psalms. I'll show you in a second. That's where we get the concept of Tanakh. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. They came to believe when they understood the word. Because as magnet, I mean, people say, if, if Jesus appears to me, I'll believe. I want to tell you something. You won't. I'm telling you right now, you won't. Janet, remember that girl you knew and she came to the church and she had the picture that she drew? Jesus appeared to her. She had this, she gave me the picture I, I, somewhere upstairs, but she had this big, huge like, you know, picture of Jesus. She said, Jesus appeared to me and this is what he looks like. She wasn't a believer. I don't know if Jesus truly you know, appeared to her. He's never appeared to me. And I'm a believer. But you must believe in the scriptures. So Jesus takes them to, and this is where we get the word Tanakh. These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms concerning me. The law is the Torah, the prophets, a little different category than the way we categorize them as Christians, but you have what are called the Nebhim, 
And then the writings, the Kethabim. So Torah, Nebhim, Kethabim, that's where we get the word, it's an abbreviation, Tanakh. When he explained the Tanakh, that he is throughout the Tanakh, that's when they came to believe. Okay, number five. The word was written for the purpose of bringing, uh, to bring us to faith in Jesus. So John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. 66 books written over the course of 2,000 years by 40 different authors inspired by the Holy Spirit. What is the purpose of the book? It is to bring us to faith and salvation in Jesus Christ. If you, if you understand the word, here's a good, you, you might want to write this down. The Old Testament is essentially, it is salvation prepared. So all those books of the Old Testament, it's God preparing salvation, preparing his son to enter the world, to die on a cross, to be raised from the dead. So the Old Testament is salvation prepared. The Gospels is salvation accomplished. The book of Acts is salvation proclaimed. The epistles is salvation explained. And the book of the Revelation becomes salvation realized for the rest of eternity. But the whole purpose of this book is to bring you to saving faith in Jesus Christ. That's why it has been preserved. You know how many people have tried to destroy this book? You know how many people are trying to destroy this book right now? You know how many, how many Bibles have been burned and how Bibles... And we're, we're soon in this country to start to see the woke crowd beginning to try to get the Bible banned. That's just, it's just the devil's, the devil's work. For 2,000 years, and even going back years before with the Tanakh, the Bible has been under attack. The beauty about the Bible, it's like an anvil. I have an anvil at home. You know, the, the ironsmith, right? The, he, hits, he, hits, he, hits that, he hits that anvil right with his hammer, and the hammer's break, and the hammer's break, and the hammer's break, and the hammer's break, but the anvil still stands strong. And they've been trying to destroy this book for 2,000 years, years before, and all it does is it breaks every hammer. Communism, right? It breaks the, the hammers of, of, of the religious who tried, to, who tried to ban this book, of Islam who have tried to ban this book, Right? It just, it breaks the hammers. The purpose of the book is to bring people to salvation in Jesus Christ. Number six, we experience Jesus through the word. We experience Jesus through the word. That is where you will experience him. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. What is that saying? That Jesus is the word of God. He is the living. He is the breathing he is the active, energized Word of God. And as you get into the Word, you will experience Him. Need more of His love? Need more of His peace? Need more of His forgiveness? More of His grace? More of His kindness? More of His compassion? More of His power? More of His joy? Get into the Word. And let his word get into you. You get into it, and his word through the spirit gets into you. Last point. Our faith is made unmovable through the word. 
Luke chapter 6, 47 through 49. Jesus says here, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. Right? You've you got to listen to it and follow it. Listen to it and put it into practice. You know, some people, I'll just say this to you. I've done a, a lot of coaching with people, mostly mostly entrepreneurs, work with some CEOs of companies, and I've noticed that very successful people, they are, they are practitioners. When they get something good, they put it into practice. And that could be something in their, in their you know, walk with the Lord, it could be something financial, something in leadership, something entrepreneurial, but when they find something good, they put it into practice until it becomes just a part, a part of their life. They become consistent. I used to watch inconsistent people. Learn, learn from inconsistent people. I, you, know, you learn from people who are successful, but you also learn from people who are unsuccessful. And um, you can learn from everybody. Sometimes I'm with people who are unsuccessful. I'll say, you're really teaching me a great lesson. I'm learning what not to do with my life. But, but unsuccessful people, they, they, are they, they do not practice consistency. No great mystery in the spiritual life. Be consistent reading your Bible daily. Be consistent praying. Be, be consistent worshiping God on, on, on the Lord's Day if your Bible studies during the week. But just be, cons be consistent as you do those things consistently over and over again. I was a, I was a weightlifter, bodybuilder before... I came to the Lord, and it was just consistency. I trained, I trained for six straight years, three hours every morning, 365 days a year, Christmas, Easter, vacations, birthdays. When I was sick, I trained. Just consistency, and I won championships. And when I came to the Lord, all I did was I just took, I just took that and applied it to the Christian life. I, I, I had learned just, just you know, be consistent doing the things, and you'll find yourself beginning to excel in those things and, and, and succeed in those things. You're going to find yourself growing in those things. So Jesus, again, this is, this is, again, that simple lesson. I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and, and follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. He is the solid rock. His word is the solid rock. And when the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation, and when the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Floods will come. Can I assure you of that? Floods will come. Sorry, I have to say that to you. So wishes everything is wonderful. And I'm going to preach a Joel Elstein message to you that it's all great. And the flowers, right? There's not going to be a winter. There's, there's, there's never going to be recessions. Or you're never going to get sick. You're never going to have a problem. I can't smile like him. Not reality. I know. I know. He 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 delves. He delves into reality. He's a lot. Of, a lot of. He sugarcoats a lot of stuff. 
You're going to have tribulation, Jesus said. John 16, 33. He has come to give us peace, but in this world you will have tribulation. It's part, it's part of life. Part of life. Everyone. You deal with financial problems. You deal with relational problems. You deal with uh, physical problems. Right? Spiritual problems. I got problems. You got problems. Oh, God's children got problems, right? <clears throat> For those of you who are in the midst of a major problem right now, you come to the altar at the end of service, we'll hold hands, we'll sing kumbaya, and then we'll walk away feeling good. <laughs> you feel good because you're not the only one suddenly realizing that you have problems. <clears throat> problems are going to come. Floods will hit. It, it is the person, right, who digs deep into the rock. They, they dig deep into the word of God. Their faith goes deep. Their roots go deep. They dig into the word of God. And then when the flood comes, when the storm comes, they're not moved. They're not moved. You may hurt. Right? When those, when those problems, when those trials come, we hurt. I hurt. I'm human. But you'll be able to stand firm and not be moved. You'll be able to stand firm. You will be unmovable. You will be unshakable. And it could be, listen, it could be sickness. It can be death. It could be financial problems. It could be your career problems. It could be family problems. You will be able to stand. Some of us have to walk with the Lord for 40 years to really get it. To really get, to, to, know, to know that steadfastness and that strength that can come as you get deeper and deeper into the word. Right, Joanne? I know. I've seen many of you go through what you've gone through. You're still here. You're still standing. You're still strong. But your heart aches, right? Maybe your back aches. Or other things ache. Right? So here's our, here's our key application here today. I want to give you a, um, an autopsy. We do an autopsy here? An autopsy of a dead person. What is the, the main cause of death in a dead person? The heart stops. Right? Even gets a little technical. There's a change in the pH balance in the blood, and then the heart the heart stops. There's no heartbeat. There's no life-giving blood flow going through every cell. You know, the, the blood vessels in your body could wrap around the earth seven times. You've got little blood vessels everywhere in your body, and it's just feeding nutrients and oxygen to every cell. Well, when the heart stops, that stops, and the body dies. That's why we decay. Now I want to give you an autopsy of a dead church. An autopsy of a dead church is a church without the word. A church without the word. They may have religion, they may have rituals, they may have traditions, they may have a nice building, they may have entertainment, they may have a band, they may have a choir, they may have sermonettes for the Christianettes, but they don't have the word of God. I'm not going to mention this church, but there was a church around the corner. And when we started Living Word, right, 
people are coming. I mean, we're, we're, we're upstairs. First, we're upstairs in a, above the movie theater in, in Bergenfield. Then we're upstairs here. And uh, in this little, little room, one room for Sunday school, one room for nursery. And uh, people are coming, right? There's, there's 20 people, 40 people, 60 people, 100 people. And, and the church down the road is just dying. And they down like 50 people, and then 30 people, and then 20 people, and then there's 10 people. And I heard this from one of the deacons. So the church leaders and the church got together, and one of them said, how can that church around the corner, with, with that ugly building, and that ugly pastor, no, they didn't, they didn't say that. How could you? How could you say that? That the ugly building, that little church, well, we have this big, beautiful building. They have no parking. We have all the parking. How could that church be growing in our church dying? And the deacon stood up, and he, oh, he said, because they preach the word, and we don't. Because they preach the word. He came here a few times. And sat in the back. But he heard the word of God. The autopsy of the dead church is a church that doesn't teach and preach the word of God. The autopsy of a dead church attender is somebody who is not in the word of God and the word of God is not in them. And there are all sorts of reasons you can go to church, folks. You can be here for all sorts of reasons and not have the word of God within you. 1 Peter chapter 1.23, last verse. For you have been born again, but not a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. I hope I accomplish my purpose with you today. Get into the word. I've been in the word for 40 years and I am more excited, I'm telling you, you know, this is like, this, this is what preachers are supposed to, you know, hype, I'm not a hypey guy. I'm not a hypey God. When I talk about being practical and being pragmatic, I am extremely pragmatic. I've been in the Word for 40 years. I have never been more excited in 40 years reading the Word of God, studying it, meditating on it. Just, I love it. I love it. It's a wonderful thing. I pray you get into the word and the word gets into you and that your faith becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. Amen? Amen. Let me just pray with you and then we'll take, we'll take the cup and we'll share communion. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for your word. It is a privilege. Lord, there are, there are places where if you, Lord God, walk down the street with the Bible, they'll arrest you. They'll cut your hand, arm off. We were in Egypt, Lord, and we were told, don't put your Bibles, don't hold your Bibles in your hand. You'll get attacked. Lord God, we're thankful, Lord God, that we can still, Lord God, have our Bibles with us, that we can be in the Word each day and we can be studying it, Lord God, without people knocking down our door, Lord God, carrying us off and putting us in a gulag. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the wonder, for the light, for the truth, 
for the revelation that comes to us about your Son, Father, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you'd like to stand, you can stand. If you'd like to sit, you can sit. We'll take communion. So on that night, the Lord Jesus, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. He said, take this, all of you, and eat this, for this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And Lord, in remembrance of you and what you did for us on the cross of Calvary, you stretched out your arms, you took those nails that were meant for our hands and our feet, and you took all of our sins upon yourself. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus, and we remember, Lord, your great sacrifice. Let's all partake. And then Jesus took the cup, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said to them, Take this, all of you, and drink this, for this is my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. He said, Do this in remembrance of me. And in remembrance of our Lord's blood, which was his life, that he gave for us on Calvary's cross, let us all partake. Folks, we will open the altars if you'd like to come forward for private prayer. I'd like to have somebody pray for you. I'm going to ask Tom. Tom, could you come up? I'd like to pray over you. Thank you, Pastor. Yes, the altars are open for you if you'd like to come up as we sing this closing song of communing with our Lord.
commune with me. Lord God bless you all. May the love of the Father, the great grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the power of the Spirit be with you all. May God watch over you. May he protect you. May he bless the work of your hands. May he bless your relationships. May God just give you health and be with you in all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. God go with you all.